0: Welcome to Hard Sell, a podcast where my friend and I give each other the hard sell on a piece of media that we enjoy, such as a movie, a video game, a book, a podcast musical. My name is Cody Morin. And I'm Tim Bloom.
1: And I'm Cozy Hanula.
0: And yeah, let's uh, let's jump right in. So uh, as you guys may or may not be aware, uh, I live in a different place from Tim and Cozy. You do. And our first big snowfall is coming in. Uh, I've got some hot chocolate here next to me. The holidays are here. Christmas is right around the corner. And I think that means that we should talk about some Christmas movies.
2: Okay, Oh, sure. okay.
0: So, uh at our house, my wife and I tend to watch a lot of Christmas movies around this time of year. So, what what are some of your guys' favorite go-to Christmas movies? Do you do you watch a lot of Christmas movies or Good
2: question. I
1: sound like a grinch, but I don't think I usually, like, go out of my way to watch Christmas movies. If it's on at the holiday time, I will watch Elf, though.
2: That is her. what I was going to say. Elf is, like, the the staple Christmas movie in my family. And I don't know when or why it happened. It wasn't when I was, like, growing up. When did Elf come out? What is Elf? Is that mid-2000s? 2003. So I would have been 10 is when Elf came out. I don't remember watching Elf as a kid. I only remember watching it as, like, a teen. And for some reason, my family, like, adopted it. I think it's just, like, my parents like that movie, Holidays or Not. Um, and so Elf is my, like, go-to Christmas movie that, like, my parents often will put on uh, when we're around. So Elf is definitely one. I think also the little claymation rudolph the red-nosed reindeer was one growing up i can't say i have like watched it in two decades or at least a decade but like that was always my favorite i was always so sad when he gets sad something about like the way rudolph's face droops is like the saddest (laughs) i've ever been for a piece of clay
1: yeah, I, I loved that movie, like, growing up. I, like, still kind of, like, associate... That's, like, the movie I think of other than Elf, and I think of, like, Christmas movies, too.
2: Why is it that one? Because there was also the Frosty one, but I feel like Frosty just didn't hit the same as Rudolph. Maybe it's the pathos. Yeah, I don't know. Even as a child, I enjoyed depressing media.
0: Maybe. That could be it. That, but Fro- that doesn't, doesn't Frosty me. die
2: at the end? Spoilers for Frosty the Snowman, I guess.
1: I mean, he melts, right? And then he comes back the next season. Yes, he when comes they make back. Him again. Yeah,
2: yep, that's true. It's
1: a magic hat, so any snowman can be frosty. Remembering the plot points. Spoilers now. for Frosty.
0: Yeah, so Frosty's not the snowman; he's actually just the hat. That's so he true. doesn't. Frosty's so he never a dies. Magic hat. So it's not actually as sad as you thought, maybe.
2: That is true. It's not really sad. Frosty's like a is a magic hat that just like Manchurian Candidate activates when put on top of a snowman. And then just sort of like deactivates over time. And in that case, it's not sad. It's more terrifying. It makes it more of a horror movie instead. <laughs> a little bit i would watch the shit out of a horror frosty the snowman just as i mean that exists right there's like a jack frost movie but anyway what about what about you what are like the go-to christmas movies
0: so i mean we we tend to watch uh kale's favorite movie around the holidays is the movie the holiday with like cameron diaz and jack black
2: Uh, oh sure okay sure Uh, okay.
0: but we always watch christmas with the cranks sure um we don't usually watch, but it's one of my favorite classics, Die Hard.
2: Got Because <laughs> I'm Fun definitely... Fact, a... I've never seen Die Hard. Really? I don't know if I have
1: either. Maybe that should be our new... We, this Christmas um, season, we can watch Die Hard.
0: All right. Well, if I can pitch you guys on two movies, a little mini hard sell for the holiday season, it would be Die Hard, since it's crazy to me that you guys haven't seen it. <laughs> and then there's, a, there's an animated one on Netflix called Klaus... Okay. Uh, that came okay. out a couple years ago that I really enjoyed uh, about a postman who gets sent to some oh. town in the tundra because he was the worst postman at his postman school.
1: Wow. Interesting.
0: It's, uh, it's a pretty good Christmas flick, though.
2: Interesting. But, well, we should watch Die Hard at the very least, because I know that there's, it's hotly debated over whether it's a Christmas movie or not.
0: I'm but on the I've Christmas movie train, it. clearly. But Okay. What yeah. makes
2: it a Christmas movie?
0: It takes place at Christmas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> got, I mean, honestly, it. so every Hallmark movie, that's pretty much the only criteria for it being a Christmas movie either.
0: And speaking of Hallmark movies, that's actually what I wanted to talk about primarily. Nice. So, okay. uh... Here's a pop quiz for you. How many Hallmark Christmas movies do you think are coming out or have already come out for 2021 season?
2: How when is season? Is it just
1: 24 24- one for each day of December up until Christmas. No wait, twenty five until Christmas <coughs> Day. I was thinking Christmas Eve, but I'm think it'll be Christmas Day. This is a
2: smart guess.
0: It's it is a good guess. Uh, I will note the first movie in their countdown to Christmas came out on October twenty second. Oh my of god. Of
1: course it did.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. Okay. So if the first movie came out October twenty second, oh boy, it's gotta be like. 30 I would guess like 35 because okay. I feel like there are like 12 classic tropes of like career woman uh you know like Mary's rugged woodsman that they and like etc they're like probably like eight tropes like that. And I think they do each trope about four times per season would be my guess. So that gives me my guess. My final answer is 32.
1: I'm going to stick okay. with 25 because I do wouldn't put it past them to still do a 25 days of Christmas thing, even if it started in <laughs> October.
0: That's fair. Uh, so for the number of movies coming out in 2021, they have 41 Christmas movies.
2: Oh wow. my lord! That is so many Christmas movies.
0: It's uh, it's pretty insane. They've been increasing how many they've put out every year. Uh, back in Why? twenty back in 2010, it was six. 2014 was 12. 2015 they bumped it up to 21. 2017 was 33, and now they're up into the 40s. You
1: you think they know they can re-air the other movies that they already have?
0: Well, it must make them some money. The uh, how much would you estimate it costs to produce one of these Hallmark Christmas movies? I mean, it's
2: five dollars. Nothing. It's I know. Okay, so the average movie. It's a Hallmark movie. Probably like three hundred thousand dollars would be my guess. Maybe five hundred, somewhere between three hundred and five hundred thousand dollars is what my guess would be.
0: All right. The budget's a little higher than that. They the estimate is right around like two million dollars to produce okay. one of their movies. But compare that to something like um, Stranger Things, where one episode costs six to eight million to produce. They can, mm. you know, think of how many Hallmark movies they can pump out for the cost of one Stranger Things season.
2: That's true, but that that means so a movie is an hour and a half long. So forty epis forty episodes of a season like that would be we just watched wandavision that would be five wandavisions or something yep i mean i guess marvel does that many like little series
0: oh and the uh on average it only takes them about three weeks to film each movie
2: that makes sense to me it's one yeah. setting basic i mean you're, you're talking about three or four sets total like
1: yeah that helps keep the class down too i'm sure
2: yeah, I mean they always use actors nobody's heard of. So I guess that makes sense to me. That is a ruthlessly efficient machine to yeah, get no that quickly to that many movies per year. And Who they also actually only write movies?
1: ten scripts. Um, they just change a couple <laughs> things for each one.
2: That saves time and money. Yeah, yeah. you can it's shoot multiple movies simultaneously.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, just you know, swap out the family in each house, and you're good to go. Yeah. Especially since they're go. pretty much all filmed in Vancouver
2: anyway. Yep, yeah, that makes sense. Vancouver is exactly... If you would have asked me to guess where they were filmed, I would have <laughs> guessed, like, Toronto or, like, Portland or, like, something like that. Which I understand are not Vancouver. But Portland is close, I think, right? Vancouver's on the west. It doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> close, close enough. Um, so, you know... They've their titles. I noticed for their movies have been getting a little bit more ridiculous by the year. But I thought we should look at a couple of them and maybe maybe come up with what we think the movie should be about. Because you know the plots are gonna be about the same for each one. But so as an example, one of their movies. I think this one was from a couple years ago. Is called Farewell, Mr. Kringle, which <laughs> you know. It's probably some sappy love story about whatever. But what I think it should be about instead is like, you know, a woman was slighted because she was put on the naughty list and she didn't think she deserved it. And so it's like an action thriller where she's heading to the North Pole to take on Santa to get back on the nice list to put herself back on there. But sure, that's that's I think it should
1: just be a compilation of people waving goodbye to Santa as he leaves their rooftops.
0: Just instead of uh, instead of a Yule log on yeah. your TV, just put
2: people waving goodbye to Santa.
1: Uh-huh.
2: This is why Cozy is not a screenwriter. Um, I could
1: write for Hallmark, I think.
2: <laughs> uh, the bar I is I think low. Like Farewell, Mr. Kringle also could be like a dark horror movie, similar to Frosty the Snowman, where you are... This is like a... Like, he kills you, and then the last thing you say is farewell, Mr. Kringle, or so, or something. Or, like, if it's, like, pretty slightly. much
1: Frosty, where, like, he comes to life just for this holiday season, and it's, like, and then he, like, at the end, he, like, withers away because all the magic is gone or something, and Mr. that's, Mr. Kringle,
2: like, you're talking about? The human man in this narrative?
1: Well, he's a magical human man. Understood,
2: of course, yeah. <laughs> of course.
1: So, he... Uh, ...materializes for the holidays, does all the presents, sure. and then withers away to nothing. Farewell, Mr. Kringle.
2: Got it. So, but why is it called Farewell, Mr. Kringle?
1: Because you, it's there's a farewell at the end when he withers away. I don't understand okay. the question. New, new, new idea.
2: This is from the North Pole, and it is the, the one day of the year that the elves don't have to be enslaved to make toys is when Mr. Kringle leaves to deliver oh, presents. Oh, like that. And so I like them that. saying farewell, Mr. Kringle, and it's a sort of like Home Alone-style hijinks yeah. thing where they accidentally burn the workshop down, and then they have two hours before he comes back and re-enslaves them to rebuild the workshop. And it's a fun family romp.
1: As all um, slavery breaks are. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, okay. a, cl-
0: a classic movie genre. A classic <laughs> movie genre. Let's see. Another one on their list was uh, "Never kiss a man in a Christmas sweater."
2: So here's immediate question: Is the man wearing the sweater, or am I wearing the sweater when I'm not kissing Mm -hmm. a man?
0: (laughs) It's a good question. My assumption was that the man was wearing the Christmas sweater, but maybe bad luck when you're wearing the Christmas sweater and you kiss a man. It's
2: ambiguous. I think it's ambiguous.
1: I think this one also has to be a horror movie where the sweater is like possessed, right? Interesting. I and like it.
2: Maybe, it, yeah,
0: maybe it's like final destination. Like you kiss a man in a Christmas sweater and he's destined to die in some way.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Uh, oh, I was thinking like, like the, the sweater
1: would like suffocate you if you kiss someone while you were wearing it or something.
2: Yeah. Only it, if you
1: it, kissed a man, I guess.
2: What is that like? There's the horror movie where like the the there's like a curse that like follows is that it follows where like they have to like pass the curse on to different people or something i don't know i don't watch horror movies we've talked about this on the podcast but that could be like white
1: elephant gift a christmas sweater to someone else so that they're cursed instead of you no it's
2: it's like if you get (laughs) kissed by the man in the christmas sweater then you have to wear the christmas sweater which uh-huh. of course hasn't been washed because it just like gets transported onto your body until you then
1: Oh kiss it a, transfers a man by kissing other people. I get it.
2: Okay. Uh, no, because it's the man doing the kissing. So I guess it's I guess you can't get kissed by a man in a Christmas sweater. Otherwise you have a Christmas sweater and you have to kiss someone in this gross, nasty sweater that has been worn <laughs> by an untold number of men before you. This, okay, I would watch this movie.
1: Yeah.
0: It just gets progressively more challenging just to find something. Just progressively more to.
2: challenging, yeah. As it gets progressively more tattered and disgusting.
0: Great. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Last one, I think, let's go with The Nine Kittens of Christmas.
2: Wow. Can I just say quickly, Never Kiss a Man in a Christmas Sweater is a terrible movie title. It's It's too long. It's weirdly commanding. It doesn't make sense. That's not like a trope. That's not like a thing people say. (laughs) Uh, Okay, The Nine Kittens of Christmas? Yep. Yes, these are rough.
1: Yeah, why nine?
2: That's an excellent question. Okay, so here's the thought. Mr. Kringle said goodbye earlier. Yep. in the chronology um in the hallmark cinematic universe i was going to say are you treating this as a trilogy i uh i'm treating all of them as one combined set of it's
1: like an mcu s- 75 situation.
2: movies hcu all set in the same world where every town is vancouver um So, the theory is Santa leaves, and what the elves do by accident is they transform the reindeer. There's nine reindeer, right? No. Is there? Damn it. Uh, I thought
0: there were nine reindeer. Is there? I think there's nine, including Rudolph.
2: Number of reindeer.
0: Someone correct us before
2: we get bad reviews. I gotta know, because otherwise this doesn't work. Okay, so in this universe, in the Hallmark Cinematic Universe... Oh,
1: there are nine.
2: Okay, I was correct. Okay, so the nine reindeer get transformed into kittens and this is like a spin-off movie they don't come back at the end of that movie at as an aside they everything gets fixed and then santa's like oh i haven't noticed anything wrong back to the sweatshops elves and then he turns around and the reindeer are all gone he's like what happened to my reindeer and the elves all giggle in the background that's how the movie ends this is like a spin-off where the reindeer got turned into kittens and then escape into the North Pole, and hopefully survive. I haven't really thought that far. Maybe,
0: ahead. maybe the you know they're still able to fly like the reindeer were. There but you go. I feel like the the size difference would be about the same that an elf maybe is trying to take over Santa's job and is mm. using the kittens as his reindeer to fly around delivering presents.
2: I like this. Alternatively, reindeer-sized kitten. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that would be frightening that would be terrifying either way i think it definitely has to be a spin-off movie of the previous one i think that makes sense nice these are in, the in the actual
1: i think in the actual hallmark movie they had to name them after the reindeer right that's the only purpose for there being nine i can think of
0: they would have to i i, I think so i guess it depends on how creative we think they got with their scripts
2: I don't think that creative, but nine is such a specific number. It's got to be. I mean, like, what's the connection to Christmas if it's not the reindeer?
1: The only connection to Christmas for a Hallmark Christmas movie is that it happens at Christmas time.
2: You're right. That's true. It's at least as connected as Die Hard. Exactly. Nice. I would for sure... These sound much more entertaining to me. That said, I do like watching Hallmark movies. It just, I have to watch them with the right people. I feel like, I feel like I have a, like, deep-seated memory. I don't remember who I was with, where I watched a Hallmark movie with a bunch of people who are just watching it straight, like, totally straight-faced, like, this is authentically, like, a well-acted, scripted movie, and I, like, can't do it. I'm down to watch, and I don't, you don't need to make fun of it the entire time, but we have to acknowledge that this is what the thing is. Like, you can't honestly watch this and be like, this is cinema, or like, what's the point? What are we even doing here?
0: Yeah, this isn't intended to be someone's life's work and masterpiece.
2: I hope not. Most people are not cranking out 40 masterpieces with the same script in one quote-unquote season. You wouldn't think so. Hopefully not. This is the part where you have to think of a transition now.
0: Yep. <laughs> uh, speaking of a season, Tim, what were your thoughts on the first and currently only season of WandaVision?
2: Yeah, know, that was pretty good. Of all the different um, transitions that we've tried to do, I would say that was in the top 21. Third. I would I, th- I think it's the top <laughs> half at least. Yeah. All right.
0: All right, I'll take it. I'll take so it for nice my first shot.
2: Strong, strong start.
0: Don't count on that continuing ever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I won't. It gets harder as it goes on, I think. I feel like our transition game started stronger. I mean, it was never good, but it was like a C minus, and now it's like a X. Anyway, so WandaVision. You had pitched WandaVision last week. Um, as a reminder for the audience, WandaVision is a sort of limited run series on Disney plus following Wanda Maximoff from the MCU and her, um, uh, fantasy. It's pretty ambiguous at the very start of the series over like exactly what is happening. Um, but her sort of like idyllic 1960s sitcom life with her husband vision uh who again had previously been killed in the movies but he's back now um and it is this sort of like limited series as you're trying to figure out what's happening and as as the plot is playing out through uh through the different like tv tropes and things like that um, it is a mini-series, so Cozy, of course, watched it as well. So, Cozy, feel free to jump in. Mini-series. Ding. Like, um, we have to hit it once per episode. Um, so, yeah. I think spoilers for WandaVision at this point. I don't want to summarize the whole show beat by beat. Um, so, spoilers from here on out. But I will move more or less chronologically So the show starts, like I said, as very, and you teed this up when you would pitched it too, of like the homages to different TV tropes. So it starts as like a 1950s, like it's shot in black and white. It's fully uh, Wanda looks like, oh God, I'm blanking on her name now. And I did not write this down. Yeah, so I mean, every Tattimore.
0: yeah, every episode was kind of based on, you know, some kind of show, or at least all the episodes that were more focused on, quote unquote, the show. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they they each were parroting a very specific sitcom.
0: Yeah, yeah, the first one was like Dick Van Dyke and I Love mm-hmm. Lucy, and
2: yeah, then it moves on to like Bewitched as as it gets to, like, the 80s, then Malcolm in the Middle in the 90s, and then Modern Family in the 2000s. And it's this sort of... It's this TV show that's happening called WandaVision about Wanda and Vision and their home life um, as it goes on. And I, I think I... So, first off, I really liked the TV tropes. Like, I think they were really well done um i think like it was fun like when they were good they were good in the way these shows were like when things were funny and things things were good they felt very nostalgic like i feel like they hit the tone of a lot of these genres really well like it didn't feel like they were parodying them they felt like homages and i think like finding that middle ground i think is smart for, like, keeping the tone of this show consistent.
0: Yeah, there was uh, one point in the kind of Malcolm in the Middle themed episode where I think uh, the two boys were talking in the background and Pietro was on the couch. And even just, like, the camera angle that they shot it at and had things focused in, I was like, this feels like they knew exactly what they were going for and what they were trying to emulate. And I could see this being a shot that was in Malcolm in the Middle or something like that.
2: Totally. Yeah. Because you were going to say something?
1: No, I, I mean, I think too, like, I, I think the Bewitched, like, um, trope, even, like, especially with, like, the trying to hide the fact that Wanda has, you know, telepathic or... What is it called? Uh, telekinesis powers or whatever. That Vision's, um, like, a robot. Like, that, like really shown through, too, in some of the, like, earlier episodes of, like, that, um, was, like, actually pretty, um, like, Bewitched had all those moments, too, of, like, you open the window and you see all the pots flying in the air and you have to hide it from the guest or whatever, so I thought that was really a good, like, touch. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and even, and even with, like, those pots and pans flying in the air, like, the way that those effects were done felt very much like something that I could have seen, like, as how yeah. they would have tried to do them back, you know, in those earlier days.
2: hmm Yeah. It felt very authentic. And so, like, when it broke the fourth wall, or when, like, something went wrong, it hit better. Because it wasn't just that there was something... Like, I think they did a good job in when something from out of universe arrived in... Westview in in the town of wandavision it wasn't just like the shot changed there's a time where like a sword agent it's revealed later like climbs through a manhole cover and emerges through the ground he's wearing like a beekeeper suit um and it's incredibly out of place and you can tell that something is wrong and part of the reason you can tell that something is wrong is because the shot changes like the picture becomes clearer the camera angle becomes much more like classic marvel ass like zoom in on people's faces than normal like multi-cam sitcom stuff uh and i think that shooting in that way i think is smart for for hitting the tone they want of like a surreal can't quite tell what's happening but like giving you making it very clear that something is like, out of place.
1: Well, and in that way, like, it almost homages back to, like, tr- the Truman Show. Yeah. Um. And, like, especially in, like, the... M- and there was, like, that moment. There's a moment with the, um, the helicopter where it's suddenly in color. Like, there's a few moments that really were reminiscent of, like, that um, kind of Truman Show um, aesthetic.
2: Yeah. That's very clearly, like, from episode one, the set up for the show or like that is the conflict they're setting up is that vision is stuck in a truman show Mm -hmm. and like it it became clear from that episode that like what they or at least i felt like what was going to happen is they were going to explore is they were going to truman show vision it was going to be about vision learning that this life that he's in is not real. And it wasn't. it's not clear when you're watching the show at that point, like, what is happening. But you can tell it's not right. Because, again, you know he's dead if you've watched, like, the MCU stuff. And you... Again, it feels out of place and, like, bizarre. I think in the first episode, he, like, goes to work and asks somebody, what do we do here? And he's like, we do the forms. And it's like, okay, this is... <laughs> uh, it clearly is... Not like a simulation, but like there's something wrong happening here. It, it is Truman Show, and so it's it becomes without obviously saying it, without Vision being like, "Hmm, I need to get to the bottom of this." It's it becomes clear that like the arc of this show, or at least it became clear to me that the arc of the show that I was going to be interested in was the like Truman showing of Vision.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, even, you know, in the very first episode where 98% of the episode feels very much like an old sitcom and that's it, like, there's just a couple little bits where it starts to show through, like when the uh, Mr. Hart is, like, choking Mm -hmm. and um, Mrs. Hart, like, keeps saying, stop it, and then the camera kind of shifts a little bit. As she's mm-hmm. like, starts staring at Wanda saying, stop it.
2: Yeah. And there are a number of other, like, the way the hearts are behaving is, like, they don't feel in control. Like, they feel, they feel like actors playing a part in a way yeah. that, like, watching old sitcoms, a- actors, I mean, hot take, acting in old sitcoms sucks. <laughs> Like, you can love <laughs> Dick Van Dyke. Like, the acting is terrible, uh, and the the scripts are really bad, like, by modern standards, and they act like that, and you're like, Okay, so this is this re like Vision seems to think it's real. They seem to be behaving like it's real, but everyone around them is not acting like it's real, and that uh that juxtaposition I think is is smart for what they want to do so that's how the show is set up talking about the acting very quickly uh i think paul bettany is fantastic throughout the show he plays vision i think he's like the most underrated actor from the mcu he doesn't have a lot to do in the marvel movies vision has like two expressions in the marvel movies basically which is like serious and stoic or getting hurt basically <laughs> those are his two facial expressions he gets to show off and this show gives him a chance to like show a little bit more range and like do a little bit more and i thought he was great in this show like every moment uh all of my favorite moments of the show he was on screen i think um and i think that's his acting is a big part of it um i also love love deborah rupp who is the actress who plays mrs Hart, who also plays kitty Mm -hmm. in that 70s show fantastic the the uh that is the so the show's not a comedy they're like funny it is again it is doing an homage to sitcoms but it's not a comedy it's not like a funny show it's not really trying to be a funny show um, but Deborah Rupp like cannot help but be hilarious anytime she's on screen. Like her timing and just like the way she talks, is so great that that first episode, uh, she did a lot towards like getting me to buy into the conceit of the show.
0: Yeah, she's uh she's always good and all the different stuff she's in, and yeah, the yeah definitely, it, the the just, juxtapositions of um you know it trying to the TV show inside the show is trying to feel like a comedy sitcom or something. Um, I found it very interesting when, um, that would be put against what was happening in the show. It's Mm -hmm. like there would be, there was a moment a little bit later. And I think like the Halloween episode where vision is walking the streets further out of town Mm -hmm. where like, if you really think about what's happening to these people, like it's, pretty upsetting that they're just like yeah. frozen in place, unable to control their actions or anything. Like some of them, you see like tears start coming down their face as they're frozen yeah, Well, it's all in the background. It's like the happy Malcolm in the middle music. And mm-hmm. yeah.
2: And it was like the, so I said to cozy pretty early on, um, Everyone is acting like an NPC. Like, everyone in this show. <laughs> and that is how people act in sitcoms. You have your main family, and then you sometimes... You have the goofy neighbor, or whatever. And then everyone else is, like, a non-player character. And pretty early on, I think, I said to Cozy, like, everyone in this show is an NPC, except for Wanda, Vision, and Agnes. Like... She is the only character who at any point in the first three to four episodes shows, like, agency. Mm -hmm. Or, like, does something that it seems like surprises Wanda in any way. In any, like, meaningful, not, like, sitcom goofy way. Uh, And so I think they did a really good job foreshadowing the twist i guess that agnes is like a villain um through that in in that she that she doesn't feel a part of it in the same way everyone else does she feels like above and like in the physical show she's a character in the show but she it always felt like she was choosing to play a character in a way that everyone else like couldn't help but inhabit characters. And I think that is credit to like the writing and the acting of, I forgot to look up. It's Catherine Han, I believe. Catherine Han, yeah. Yeah, um, I think do a really good job because it isn't. it's not like specific lines. Nothing she says would feel out of place, but just like the way she is shot and the confidence with which she speaks in a way that other people don't And a way that she carries herself, a way that she reacts to what Wanda says, um, she feels like her own unique character, whereas everyone else feels like a non-player character throughout. And I think um, the way that that was set up, I think it was done really well.
0: Yeah, she definitely is, is set up as kind of like that second tier of characters that you would see in a sitcom where they show up a bit more than someone like The Hearts would who might just be you know, a one or two episode kind of character.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It becomes clear early that she is a main character and there's something more going on there. It was the moment where she said like, what's my line? Or she said, like, a, a, or she, like, comes in and says something weird that Vision reacts to weirdly. Yeah, she's she, like, do like, you want it, me
1: to take it from the top or something yeah, like that? Yeah, she
2: leans into one and says, do you want me to take it from the top? And that is the moment where I was like, I knew something was weird with her. But I was like, oh, she's not a part of this. Like, because none of the other characters act like they know they're in a show. She's the only one who I was like, she's breaking the fourth wall. Um so something is is weirded wrong, and so I think they did a good job. Uh, it, it again, it was clear that she was special, and so I think when she did her sort of heel turn at the end, it wasn't shocking, or it wasn't, it didn't feel like random or out of place, and so I think that was well done. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I love Randall Park plays the sword or FBI agent. I guess I guess. The show, as it peels out to give the the super high level summary, Vision starts to suspect. At the same time, uh, one of the neighbors I can't remember what her like pseudonym is, but her real name is Monica, um, is revealed to be a sword agent and she's someone from is she in the Captain Marvel movie or is she only a, a like the child version of her in is Captain she... Marvel?
0: It's the child version of her in Captain Marvel. Okay. This I think this show is the first time we see her grown up.
2: Got it. Okay. I couldn't remember. She looks a lot like the child version of... They picked an, an actor who looks a lot like the child that they chose to play in Captain Marvel. Um, so it's, it's Monica Rambeau from uh, Captain Marvel is now like an agent of S.W.O.R.D., which is basically S.H.I.E.L.D., but more alien focused um who has like infiltrated to try to figure out what has happened to the town of westview and it's sort of the show then takes a sort of like two really like a three plot track where you have uh wanda's track of trying to keep everything together vision's track of like trying to understand what's happening and really wanda's track of like being the main character of the show she seems busy with like trying to act and produce the show, kind of. (laughs) Uh, Whereas Vision is, like, going off script and trying to figure out what's happening. And then you have this other plot of Sword trying to, like, break through into the town of Westview. it becomes clear that, like, Wanda has kidnapped a town to, like, play doll or play, like... I'm gonna create this fake reality where Vision is not dead um and it's their sort of quest to try to like break through and save the townspeople and either kill or convince wanda to stop doing it and those plots i think from like episode three or four it's those simultaneously sort of play out through the end of the show um my big takeaway is that i don't really care about the sword stuff Uh, like it's fine it's fine like it's it's very nothing sucked like i think monica is fine the shitty white guy boss ceo man they like cast they put out a call of like find somebody who looks like an svp at a 5000 to 15000 person company uh and they found that guy <laughs> who looks like that uh was fine and like the the plot of like he wants to kill Wanda and she's trying to save Wanda is like classic stuff. Yeah, um, it was
0: definitely the most marvely part of the show. And yeah. I and I would agree. I think it's it's not the strong point of the show and it's definitely not why I was pitching this show
2: to you. Yeah. I didn't think so. And so it will not surprise you that that part didn't I just didn't care like it again it was executed fine but I kept the thing that's interesting is the relationship the like deteriorating trust between Vision and Wanda and their relationship and trying to figure out like how is he going to figure out that he is like a projection that he is like a part of this simulation uh, and how is he going to react to that? And, like, what is that confrontation going to look like is what I was really, like, anticipating. And so anytime I was cutting to sword, I was sort of just, like, waiting for it to cut back to... You know, I was like, sword is not going to take this down. Because if sword just, like, destroys this, that is not interesting. Like, the thing that's interesting is about Wanda's decision to do it. That's the whole thing. That is, like, the whole thing it's built around is, like, when is she gonna realize that she can't play god forever is what it feels like it's building to uh and so knowing that that's going to be the resolution the sword stuff all felt like a b plot um in a way that i i think hurts the show like i think there's a better version of the show that is just way less focused on it uh and doesn't have like individual episodes totally dedicated to it and is more focused on the Vision Wanda relationship. Um so again, it didn't it didn't like kill it for me, but I I think it's weaker I think it fell back on like Marvelly tendencies more and more as the series went on.
1: Yeah, it was like they put an Agents of Shield episode inside <laughs> WandaVision.
2: A little yeah. bit, yeah. Yeah, it definitely felt like
0: it was you know they had this idea or vision for the show and uh you know someone up above who was reading the script was like okay but how can we do some more to tie this into some of the more mcu stuff
2: yes i was like well okay
0: so we can add in the sword plot and everything and
2: Right, and then every... So- you have the bad guy, who's a new character. And then the other three sword agents we meet are Monica Rambo, who's a returning character. uh, Randall Park. I God, I can't remember his character's name. But Randall Park.
0: Woo is definitely the last name. Don't remember the first name. Agent
2: Wu. Agent Woo, okay. Who's returning from Ant-Man. He does the little close-up magic, which is the nice little tie-in to Ant-Man. Um, and then darcy from thor who at one point i turned to cozy so darcy remind me darcy is an astrophysicist correct
0: yeah i believe so yeah
2: at one point she hacks into swords database oh yeah when did darcy become a hacker what is happening and if that was the that was the biggest moment where i was like they just inserted characters to have characters people would know instead of taking the time to like create characters who would make sense to be doing any of this like
1: oh well also like the nerdiest character on screen becomes the hacker <laughs> yeah. like yes. it doesn't it doesn't matter if it makes sense for their actual job description like oh they seem like they might know a thing about computers they can be the hacker we need a hacker
2: yeah, a little bit. So that was... I was sort of like... Okay. Clearly we're just... Inserting characters to like have characters. Darcy... The like Darcy humor stuff... Never worked for me in Thor either. I've never... Like I think that character is not... Written in a way that I love. And it also didn't work for me here. But... She's a pretty minor... Piece of the show altogether. So yeah. That's, that's the sword stuff. Again, as time goes on. Eventually... Uh, let's talk about the Quicksilver stuff. So her brother is Quicksilver. He's killed in the second Avengers movie. I guess I should have said spoilers for like all of Avengers, but you should have assumed
0: I feel like, yeah, it's probably assumed.
2: I think at this point, anybody who wanted to watch the Marvel movies has done it by now. Um, or at least the Marvel movies up to WandaVision. So he's killed and then he comes back randomly without Wanda seeming to decide to bring him back. Um, But it's not the actor who plays Quicksilver. It is the actor who plays in the MCU. It's the actor who plays Quicksilver in the (laughs) X-Men
0: movies,
2: which is a separate chronology. Um, So I have two opposite contradictory thoughts about this one is that i liked it like i think it's fun it's goofy it fits the like surreal again the whole the whole show both wandavision the in-universe show and wandavision the show on disney plus is surreal you like it's hard to tell what is going on and like what is reality and like what is What does that even really mean? Um, And so... I like it from that perspective. I also... Wrote... uh, In my notes I say, I don't know what they're trying to do with this. Like, it felt like they were trying to make it a mystery. There were a couple times where Wanda was like, where did you come from? Or like, what are you doing? And he was just sort of like, I'm the wacky uncle from out of town to like make things uh weird and it's revealed at the end that like agnes that he is agnes's husband ralph i liked that reveal as an aside yeah Yeah. constantly talking about like ralph the fact that he is ralph is very is funny to me um but like while it was happening i didn't care about it like i was focused on all the other stuff that was like during the height of vision figuring out what was going on It was during the height of, like, the sword tension stuff. So it was going from, like, this intense tension to... He was kind of comic relief, but also, like, kind of supposed to be a mystery. And I was sort of like... They had this idea, and then, like, didn't really definite... And, like, had an idea that he would be Ralph. And that's funny. But, like, didn't really know what they wanted it to be. Like, they didn't go full... There's a world where they go full, like, this is just a goofy, like, Wanda doesn't question this, and it's just comic relief, and I think that works better for me. And there's a world where, like, she is freaked out and, like, disturbed by this, that somebody has come back and says is her brother, and presumably she feels like is her brother, but doesn't look anything like him. Uh, and is, like, freaked out, and it becomes a mystery, and maybe you do the the Agnes reveal that way like wanda finds out that agnes is like a witch but it, it sort of i don't know it sort of did nothing it just sort of like he's here and is sort of goofy and then that's kind of it and i was just sort of like that felt sort of like 75 percent baked uh so again i i like the impetus and it had good moments especially at the reveal at the end but i wish there was i wish there was a little more there there Well, and,
0: you know, I was kind of wondering if if it's maybe done like that a little bit on purpose as kind of a show of, like, that Agnes's mind control powers are not quite as, you know, powerful as Wanda's, that, you know, Wanda's able to create these fully fleshed out, real-feeling characters, whereas he just felt kind of out of place in everything.
2: Yeah, but I wish then, like, Wanda would have said that. I wish yeah. Wanda would have said like you're not a part of this. Or like you something is wrong. And like had done something. Because without that, then like I'm left being like, Well, I I don't know what you wanted to say with this. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're just trying to allude to Agnes, I guess, but he doesn't like Then I wish there was a scene where like he, like, avoided Agnes's gaze or, like, some, even just some little simple thing to, like, tie that together. I don't know. It, just, it felt like there were, like, two important scenes with him missing that just, like, didn't show up. And so I don't really know what I'm supposed to get from that. Cozy thoughts? Did you know who the Quicksilver was?
1: Um, no, I didn't. <laughs> Um, I, I I liked that they did it because it, it did feel very like, I think the surreal thing worked for me. But yeah, I think, I think the whole show kind of at the end sort of like fell apart in terms of like wrapping up in a satisfying way the like why behind what was happening. <laughs> and I think that was one element of it. And I think the whole Agnes subplot for me was kind of part of that where it, was, it felt really random and like didn't really feel like it, made a, it felt, I don't know, the, the whole Agnes subplot felt really random, like, it felt really unnecessary, um, that she was, like, a witch from Salem, Massachusetts, and that she was trying to, like, control, or, like, get Wanda's powers, and, like, they were, used it as just, like, a device to, like, reveal her whole, Wanda's whole backstory of, like, why she was doing a TV show, and that felt uh, really, like, forced, um, and I felt like the P.H. Hero stuff kind of fit into that like part of how I didn't like the ending as much of the show.
2: Yeah. I think the witch stuff with Agnes, it's another one where like, I thought it was okay. And like the idea of going back through Wanda's, because the show fundamentally at the end of the day is about Wanda's psyche. And so like, having and so in the comics i looked this up later i didn't know but agnes whatever her last name is is like wanda's mentor is like wanda's oh she is the one who like teaches wanda about her power and like how to be a witch and stuff like that and i read in the show or i was like doing digging after we watched that like that is originally how she was written of being like a mentor figure figure to Wanda. Um, who like starts to teach her about this stuff and then they changed it up and like wrote her more villainous and I was like I'm more interested in the first version of this like there's a a world where like especially because of what they decided to do at the end and again we will I have thoughts about like how they where they eventually went with the show but if you're gonna do the thing where Wanda didn't create this on purpose that she just got, So sad that she enslaved a town. uh, Which is basically what happens. They're so sad that she like accidentally mind-controls an entire (laughs) town and makes them all sort of Stepford Wives, everyone. Um, Or like, get-outs all of them. Um, Then it makes sense... Then I wish they had the character... Who could like teach her about her power, but and there's a world where like she becomes an important mentor for Wanda, and is part of like helping her. Basically, my thesis about the show is there's a a slightly different version of the show I like a lot more that has a lot less big red explosiony fight scenes at the very end. Um, And a lot more, like, intense, difficult conversations between, like, Wanda and Agnes. Like, I think there's a different world where Agnes knows this has happened the whole time. And everything she's been doing is trying to get Wanda to, like, slowly realize the effect she's having. And then at the end, there's, like, a very big conversation between Agnes and Wanda where she tells Wanda she has to, like let everything go and then she confronts vision and it happens and that just never really happened like the whole show i was waiting for the confrontation like the moment where like vision realizes what's happening he realizes it's clearly obviously wrong and clearly obviously needs to end because that's his character he is like the selfless hero that's that is like who he is and so you you know as the audience who like knows these characters that he would never like consent to making an entire town play doll so that he could live. He will always choose to die for that. However, so like I wanted the moment where he is saying that to Wanda, where he's saying like you have to, where it's like a fight where she doesn't want to and he wants it to happen. And it seems like it's going to happen. He, like, finds everything out. He It's that Halloween episode. He finds the barrier. He finds Darcy. And they start driving back in the car. And then they get delayed. And then in the meantime, uh, Wanda... It's revealed that instead of creating this on purpose, Wanda just sort of did this all accidentally. Again, she, like... Westview is where Vision had bought a plot of land. and They were going to build a house... Where apparently they built the foundation of a house and then just stopped. And she is like overcome with grief. Uh, and this is, she'd also tried to like recover Vision's body to bury him. And the evil sword guy wouldn't let her have the body because he's turning it into a weapon. Uh, again, classic evil dude. Um, and she is like overcome with grief and does this accidentally and so while vision is on route to confront her she sort of realizes as she has the conversation with agnes you go through her deeply tragic backstory um and then she like realizes that she is like hurting people that these are like real people who she is like keeping from their lo- like it hits for her and she decides she's like no no I'll stop I'll stop and then Agnes, like, attacks her. And then it becomes a fight scene. And the Vision shows up and they, like, exchange glances or say, like, one sentence to each other. But, like, it it just is a fight scene, like, by the time he gets back. And I'm like, I wanted the quiet moment. Or I wanted the moment that was the, like, character-driven stuff. And again, I was like, I feel like they ran up to the edge of something that would have been really different and, like, really interesting. And it was really different from a format perspective. But at the end of the day, where it nets out is, like, a superhero who has a fight scene against a bad guy who beats them with a mix of greater power and also ingenuity. um, And then does the self-sacrifice thing at the end, who sacrifices their own happiness for the good of other people. And that fundamentally is like the story of every Marvel movie. And it at the end of the day, that is also where this ended. And I was like, I, I feel like there's a... I feel like they could have gone quieter. They they had set up a world to go quieter without it feeling empty or unfulfilling cuz I think you have to do that with a lot of mark. Like you can't have Falcon to the Winter Soldier and not have a big fight scene at the end. Like you can't have that's that's what you come for. That's what you buy this for. And I think this was setting up something different and instead it fell back on the formula. And so that bummed me out about the very end of the show.
0: Yeah, because I think we get a glimpse of that in... um, It's, like, halfway through the show, end Mm -hmm. of, I think, like, the fifth episode, where Vision is realizing, like, that he doesn't know who he is, and Wanda clearly tries to end the episode, and the credits start rolling. Yes, And he just keeps on, like, fighting and following her through, like, ignoring that the credits are rolling. And so, like, we see that conflict between them there, but that conflict just kind of goes away Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: and then we just you know she then the pietro thing happens and the episode ends
2: yeah and And then like you know their relationship is still bad like he's still yes they're not happy but they don't talk anymore and i'm not saying you know again action stuff is fine but like it felt so unresolved or that moment was great and i'm glad you brought it up because i'd forgotten to mention it but that moment where she is trying to end the episode and credits are rolling above him yelling at her because he's figured out something's happening he doesn't know what but something is wrong and she's lying to him and like their conflict i was like this is the most compelled i have been on this show and i like want to see where this goes and then the the interpersonal conflict between the two of them doesn't go anywhere because by the time vision has learned enough to advance the conversation wanda has already decided that eventually it has to come down so the it like sucks all of the air out of that tension in a way that i felt like was really unfulfilling so yeah uh that's mostly the end and then at the very end she learns she's the scarlet witch nice little tie-in to her superhero name um that means something in this world and she goes to learn more about witchery um it's wild that she just walks away it's it's wild (laughs) that you can just like and i i i don't mean to be like in the real world blah 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 but it's just so like uh she kidnapped a town of people yeah and she didn't do it on this is the thing i was like this show so again in the comics i don't read a lot of comics but i i like reading wikipedia articles about comics uh i like comic stories are interesting to me and so i know more about like broad plot stuff than i've actually read any comics but like Wanda in the comics is selfish, and so, like, the characterization, like, there's a whole thing where she makes her dad in the comics, Magneto, like, king of the world because she thinks the world would be better, like, rewrites reality to do it. There's another whole comic arc where I don't remember exactly what happened. Something tragic happens because a mutant did something, and she... (laughs) says no more mutants and rewrites reality so all mutants either die or lose their powers immediately and like this idea that she plays god and like takes the world into her hands is interesting and it's what makes her an interesting character in the comic books by both framing it as her doing it accidentally and her facing like no consequences for what happened, I think takes the interesting part of that away. And at the end, she's just like another superhero who like accidentally did too much stuff instead of like a care, you know, she didn't play God. She just like an accident happened and it went maybe one or two days too long. But like, I don't know. There's a more interesting story if they're willing to let her be more of a villain. Or if they're willing to, like, let her be more ambiguous. But, like, you know, they're setting up season two. Or they're setting up whatever, arc two. what They call them things. They're setting up phase two. I don't know. Of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And she's going to be a big part of it. So she can't be a villain. And I'm like, oh. This show did such interesting things in the first half. And then at the end... It it really just felt like it fell back onto all the like classic stuff, and I was like, "There's there is such a such an awesome version of this show, and I just wish that I, I'd got it."
0: Yeah, and I think going back to what something you were saying a little bit earlier um, about Agnes, um, you know, rather than her being like a mentor type character, it in the end it kind of feels like she's almost more of a vehicle pretty much, especially if they're going to leave her in the state that she was left at the end of the series. Yeah. That she is a a vehicle for Wanda to get a hold of the dark hold, the book of the yeah. damned. And then, you know, we see her um, studying that at the very end of a, you know, post credit scene. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think there is an interesting future where they tee her up in that way, where she is, Where it is more ambiguous and she's, you know, I would think that someone who studies the book of the damned might not be the perfect hero character, which we know that we already know that she's not the perfect hero character, you know, but, you know, I think it does set up the possibility for her to be something more ambiguous or a potential, you know, grief stricken, accidental villain in the future.
2: Yeah. Maybe, but I also think they have the potential to do that in this show, and they opted not to. So I think that that it's definitely there. They have the pieces to do that, but I think if I I wish they would have just done it. Then I wish they would have just like gone wholly towards it and let her do it like again she could You there's a version of the show where she did it on purpose and then vision convinces her to stop not because she is hurting people but because he wants it to stop because he's like this is wrong like this is not you have to move on and like this is not healthy and like etc etc and then she does it and everyone hates her and she just leaves and she is a villain to, like, the world and those people, but it doesn't matter because she's, you know, like, that's, that leaves it in a weird, ambiguous, interesting place to be. And I'm like, I just, yeah, they could do that again, but if they were going to do that, I wish they would have just done it.
0: Yeah, that's fair. But, you
2: know.
1: It's so also yeah. wild because, like, the only people that know it was an accident are the audience. Yeah, that's Like, it. the sword characters don't know this was accidental. Like, for all intents and purposes, she leaves that bubble, goes to the sword people, and they're like, I'm not stopping, I'm living my life here, don't interfere, and goes back in the bubble. Like, she is doing this on purpose to them, for all intents and purposes, so them just like, letting her go, it just feels really weird.
2: Yeah, it's a little weird. Also, Monica is like, I would have tried to keep my mom alive too, and I'm like, what do you have? Would most people do this? I don't know like the thing Marvel's trying to set up is like anyone so stricken by grief would like do anything to bring <laughs> their loved one back. And I'm like, I don't know if that is true. I don't right. I I haven't thought about this a lot, but I'm like, I don't know I, you know Cozy, no offense, but if you die, I don't think I'm gonna try to mind control a small town to bring you back. I I mean, you don't have
1: superpowers, so I don't don't know if you can really make um, that
2: claim. I might just, like, go to therapy. Like, I, you know, I don't, I, uh, you know, so I don't know. That felt like kind of a stretch where I was like, why does Monica, why is, because her mom died, she understands why she had to create a pastiche of her former, I don't know. I was like, okay, this is a little, I'm just going to, I'm just going to. Shut my brain off here a little bit, but yeah the uh last thing the vision body stuff was sort of interesting to me not not a not like uh it wasn't groundbreaking stuff um but it was sort of vaguely interesting it's interesting that the vision body is not destroyed on screen um so that was sort of interesting. I'm curious to read a Wikipedia article about what happens to that yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens with, uh, you know, after their philosophy debate mm-hmm. to end their battle, what yeah. they end up doing with white vision.
2: Yeah, I think it was interesting that, like, I, I mean, I think it was smart. The, like, logic tracks, the whole, like, ship of Theseus idea um, was interesting to me. And I liked that scene. That That is the part of the sword bit with the, like, body of Vision and stuff like that, that I felt, like, paid off. That scene and that debate of, like, what is it... Obviously, we just reviewed Nier Automata, so clearly I'm interested in the idea of, like, what is personhood and, like, what does it mean, you know, which one of us is more Vision, if you are Vision's body, but I have his memories... um, was sort of interesting to me and is up my alley. So I did like that part.
1: Yeah. I thought that scene was really cool.
2: Anything else you wanted to uh, talk about with WandaVision, Cody? Um,
0: Nothing, uh, nothing else really groundbreaking. Um, just kind of general thoughts. I really liked the editing in general of the show. Um Going back to what we were talking about kind of at the beginning. I mean, even just things as simple as like the um the aspect ratio transitions going between yeah. like a four by three ratio to like you know a standard cinematic ratio when they would cut back and forth between the scenes or like um I really liked the way that the commercials were used.
1: oh yeah, I forgot yes, about the commercials, but they I were really the good
0: um you know, some of them felt very kind of uneasy a little bit like the one with the the kid <laughs> on the island with the shark
2: yes um though they did such a good job uh capturing the time period of ads also that that one of that kid with like the claymation with the go or whatever yeah i was like i've seen this ad it just said go-gurt on the thing and i was six like uh that felt very they did a good job with those
0: yeah. And then just other editing, like um, I think in, in the first couple episodes, we saw it a couple of times where like, you didn't know what was happening. You find out later that it was like Wanda rewriting what was happening. Yeah. But that like, you know, suddenly something would kind of glitch and a scene would restart. Yes. Um, I'm
2: glad that you brought that up also. Cause I also forgot about that in the moment, but like there was one specific moment where it was so small like one little convert like i i knew sort of what was happening because like i was watching for it i guess but like i could see a world where you could just think like your internet skipped and you accidentally just like watched the same little bit over again it the way it was done, I think, it was really, really good.
0: Yeah, I think it was uh, Vision came, like, said something and came over and sat on the couch and, like, asked the wrong question. And yeah. then all of a sudden, it, like, glitch cuts back to him standing and he comes and sits down again and asks a different question that, like, mm-hmm. makes more sense in a sitcom. Yes.
2: He asked some question about, like, uh, Janine, I think. Or like uh, where she Geraldine, went to- yeah Geraldine, and like what happened to her uh, is because Wanda exploded her out of the bubble when she, That's right. that she was secretly Monica, um, and instead he just uh, lets it go. And it's yeah, I, I I you're you're right. The little bits of how they cut this stuff together and made it feel surreal and made it feel like you were watching a show that was, uh being produced by someone who's going sort of off the rails i think was really well done
1: there's also the like lagos commercial which i believe is the um isn't that the location where she had like the um in the avengers or something one of the mcu movies she like uh
2: blows up the building blows yes, up a building, yeah, but it yeah. was an
1: ad for a paper towel about, like, our our Lagos brand cleans up the mess better than anything else. Like, it's, like, yeah. so clear her subconscious is, like, getting into these commercials in, like, a really, like, clever Darkly. way. Yeah, I actually yeah. wrote
0: that one down. The tagline for their paper towels is, for when you make a mess, you didn't mean to. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like, that's just so good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that was all the rest that I really had, so... I guess all that's left is uh Tim and I guess also Cozy. Uh what's your final verdict? Are you gonna give this a yaw yeah or a nah? Uh
2: Cozy, last time that we uh both gave the verdict on the thing, I went first. So it's your turn to go first.
0: I'm a yaw
1: yeah on WandaVision. I thought it was like really clever in a lot of ways. Uh the shooting was just so good. I loved the like premise of the like WandaVision TV show. The ending was not my favorite. I think they pulled some punches. They could have, like, landed better. But it's also, like, it's a Marvel uh, series, so I didn't expect them to land all the punches in the way I would do it. Um, so, like, I think for a, I think it was really unique. I really, um, it made me, like, kind of almost want to be invested in the MCU again, but maybe not because of how many things there are. Um, and I just <laughs> don't have the time. But I, I think I'm, a, I'm definitely a yacht on WandaVision. I thought it was a good time
2: cool uh i am also a yaw but i think i'm a little bit more tepid so cozy and i had a pretty similar response to it of like i really really liked the first like 40 percent of the show um that felt like a really unique interesting thing they were setting up and then the back 60 percent or so they were like playing the marvel hits of like the classic beats the classic tropes and stuff like that i will say that stuff was better executed than i was afraid it might be you know like anytime you're moving so like cozy referenced agents of shield um the like marvel show that aired on abc i think i don't remember but on network tv uh it's hard to do a superhero show with tv level special effects um and so, uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision are both pretty special effect heavy superheroes. Um, and so I was worried that stuff was going to suck. And Like, <laughs> I was sort of shitting on the fight scenes earlier, but like, I think they were fine. They I was afraid special effect based stuff would feel cheesy or like uh, it would be hurt by the not sick, you know, uh, nine figure production budget. Um, and I think that was good. Like, it, I think ultimately it was like a a really interesting top forty percent, and then the back sixty was Marvel stuff. But like, I don't hate Marvel stuff. Like, it's I it's fine, and I think it was just as well done as like any of the other Marvel movies. I think where I differ from cozy maybe is like I it was a fun watch, but I I don't I'm not I don't feel like invested in wandavision stuff going forward again i think like be, w- when they pulled their punches uh that was disappointing to me of like again like they could do something interesting in the future but i don't really like trust them to given that they had the chance here and decided not to so i'm not like convinced i'm not i'm probably this is not the thing that's gonna like make me go back and like start watching all the new marvel stuff but for what it is of like just this one season of this one show i uh the the top forty percent was interesting enough to yaw, it, and the back sixty percent was uh entertaining enough was Marvel popcorn enough uh for it to be a yaw for me.
0: Nice, well, I'm glad that both of you overall enjoyed it um I also thought you know overall it was a good watch. I definitely understand the criticisms and for the most part agree about you know a lot of the stuff feeling a bit too marvel than you know they could have made it seem had it not been a part of the mcu or something like that but um you know that's why again that's why i'm not pitching you uh, falcon and the winter soldier because <laughs> that's what 100 percent of that show is and compared to this I mean- which you know adds some really interesting elements to it
2: Here's the other thing, too. The honest truth is, like, if you pitch me Falcon the Winter Soldier and I watch it, I probably yaw yeah. Like, again, like, I don't dislike the Marvel stuff. The thing, I just like other stuff more. And like yep. Cozy said, with limited time, uh, it's hard to be like, I'm going to watch all of these shows. But I think WandaVision was definitely worth the watch.
1: Yeah. And I think, like, there's also just, like, I think Star Wars is doing these similar, like, series that expand the universe in like just a more um i think in a way that's not pulling its punches like i the mandalorian is really like different than the movies in tone and like how it's creating these characters like i think they're doing such a good job of like making shows for people who are interested in different things in the star wars universe And it's just because it's like clear that Marvel isn't interested in doing that. And that's a little bit of a bummer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair that the shows, the Marvel shows, are more focused on making sure they target the same people who would be going to see the Marvel movies in the theaters yeah
1: y- yeah and I think those people probably are interested in other stuff too. They're just like Marvel's just like not quite willing to take that like leap and I wish they I think they would I think their audience would like it. I just don't think they're yeah. willing to risk it.
2: I mean because the thing is like when you take the leap, sometimes you miss like Star Wars has some bad misses I guess uh, yeah across all parts of and all of their media from video game to movies to books to comics to TV shows. There are some gems and there are some bad misses. And, like, I think the thing Marvel had going for it, at least at the time WandaVision came out, is it didn't really have any meaningful misses. And so, like, I kind of think some Marvel stuff has to suck before they get more adventurous. So, like, I'm more interested to start watching Marvel stuff again after they bomb a little bit. Uh, Because (laughs) I think that gives you a little bit of freedom to, like, You know, if you're not pitching a perfect game anymore, you can like you're not afraid to walk a batter or two.
0: Either that or maybe, you know, more and more people will kind of come along a little bit more of your line of thinking where it just it feels a bit stale. Yeah. And, you know, then maybe they start try to start branching out and create more interesting, complete narratives rather than falling back on Yeah, you know, what they've always known and always done.
2: Yeah. At the end of the day, even the marvel stuff like works well enough for me yeah. that I'm curious to see where it goes in the future. But I think I'll stick to uh, reading Wikipedia articles for the immediate future.
0: All right. Well, now I think it's time for the middle segment. So, Cozy, what do you got for us today?
1: All right. It's time for a hot take
0: great Ooh, all right my first hot take on the show your
2: first hot take to react wait what are your takes on the previous hot takes well you sent the apocryphal email about loving speeding up podcasts so maybe Ooh, I don't yes to i did. your thoughts on the other i hot did takes.
0: I've, i have i have I think yet you... to change that setting back from my sped up Ugh. god I'm out i don't
1: remember what now. my other hot takes were
0: uh the tetris one
1: Oh, yeah, you oh, yeah. disagreed on the I podcast did. with my Tetris hot take. So, uh, um, yeah, so you're, like, 50-50 on agreeing and, uh, with me on these. So okay, Oh, well, miniseries I'll...
2: was the other one. Do you think every TV show should be a miniseries? Oh, yeah. Every TV
0: show? No. Uh, I think there's a place for non-miniseries. Uh, okay. Mostly because we like having shows to binge watch in the background while we do yeah. stuff around the house. Sure. Uh, so, you know, we often have on a lot of Friends or New Girl or Brooklyn Nine-Nine.
2: True. Okay, we're caught up on hot takes. What's the hottest of the hot takes?
1: Okay, um, I think that companies should not give holiday time at the, like, holidays we should just get every time that normally would be a holiday during the year. Like everyone has like the holidays that you get off for free. I should, we should just get all of that as paid time off and get to use it whenever we want and not have to spend it at a specific time of year.
2: I got really worried when you said companies should not give holidays at first. <laughs> I started to um, wonder if we were going to need to cut this segment. Um, I know.
1: This is why it's a hot take. Okay. So hear me out. Okay. I, think that the holidays are overhyped a little bit and I think that I (laughs) this is a hotter
2: take this is a hotter take no one's gonna argue with you that companies should give more flexibility to workers except maybe the (laughs) evil guy in uh wandavision but like
1: I mean I, I don't think this is gonna be a popular opinion but like I would prefer okay so there's like especially since we we just traveled for thanksgiving we're gonna travel for christmas um i like being able to see my family i hate traveling for the holidays um i wish
2: traveling for the holidays
1: because the air airports are a nightmare um the it's like way busier everyone is off at the same time so like when you come people are always like planning every schedule like around the holidays where it's like if i take time off during the year and everyone else is working like when I come back, like, some work has gotten done as opposed to just everything pausing for, like, two days. Um, sure. There's, like, the whole, like, at, over, like, the last week of the year, no one gets anything done. It's, like, you just kind of have to, like, plan around it. But, like, no schedule factors that in, usually, to, like, the how much time you're given to do, like, a project. Like, it's factored in a little, but it's not, like, 100%. Sure. Um, so... There's all of those things that are annoying to me. Also, like I just think there's a lot of pressure to specifically be with your family on a specific day of the year, and I think I would rather almost have like I wish each family had their own holiday time of year. Like,
2: this is a own... much hotter take than companies should give more PTO.
1: Well, yeah, because they're tied together though. So, like, sure. like if I, <laughs> my ideal world for holidays is like each family gets to like pick their time of year. And that's when we all go like spend time with our family because like maybe like my family does the middle of June. Um, maybe your family does the like, I don't know, the third week of December instead of the last week of December. Like it, we can be more flexible as opposed to like five days I have to use the same days everyone else is using them. Like it just like is a lot harder and it makes it more stressful than I feel like I can't like enjoy the time as much. And also it helps with like, I know people at my work who don't, um, who celebrate other holidays that are not Christmas necessarily. So like at different times of the year that we're like working, like, uh, I had a coworker who like her whole family was like celebrating Diwali and she was working because we don't get that off as like a holiday. And, yeah. um, she's from India. So like she, you know, all her family who was in India was, like, celebrating, and she couldn't even, like, take some time off to, like, do a celebration thing with, like, her, um, her family or anything, or, like, friends that she had that were, like, also celebrating, like, it just her, like, mom was able to, like, send her treats for Diwali, and that she brought him to, um, work. So, like, like, that way, like, people could pick what holidays are important to them and spend that time however they want, and I would prefer if my, uh, holiday time could be, like, whenever I feel like doing it. And it doesn't have to be, like, oh, I get the most time off from my company at Christmas. So that's when I feel obligated to have to do all the traveling and taking time off and whatever.
2: Interesting. So you- Also,
1: um, I think I should be able to pick the time of year I want to travel to Minnesota. I don't think it should <laughs> have to be, be December. December.
0: Um, Are you sure? We're supposed to get seven inches of snow tomorrow. So, I mean... I know it's a good yeah. time here.
2: <laughs> I don't even know if I have my heavy coat anymore. Um. Okay, so you your hot take is twofold. One is that you should get to pick your own holiday time, and two that our respective families should care less about these individual holidays because yeah. we could do this. Like we could take a week not go back.
1: I know, uh, but, but like we lose the I... PTO. Right. But like, I don't get the, I don't have enough PTO to do that because all of my, like, I'm getting paid for these holiday days, whether I want to take them or not. I'm just like, so I'm not going to work those days because obviously I'm not like, no one else is working. It's like silly, but it's just like, I wish I had more flexibility on how to use that time. Sure. Also one other point about my proposal for each family picking their own holiday time of year. Um, I think it would be better too because like Tim when you and I want to do stuff for the holidays we it's really hard to accommodate both families because everyone wants to do stuff on like the day of the holiday.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Actually our families are pretty good about this. Our families but, like, are pretty
2: chill generally. But.
1: Yeah so like if it's a day or two before after the holiday but like it's like within like a day or two of the holiday they like want to get together so like We've done two Thanksgiving meals at the same day. Let like, me tell you, we've... I just
2: ranted about how much I don't like turkey. You know what's worse? Two turkeys in the same day. <laughs> right.
1: Or, like, I think people, like, put all this pressure on these, like, specific days when it's, like, the thing I want to do is, like, have a relaxed time with my family. Um, I want to create our own traditions. Like, I don't want to be stuck to, like, if we don't like turkey, doing a turkey or whatever it is, you know, like, these, like, weird, like specific everyone has to have a turkey because it's thanksgiving thing whereas if like if my family likes turkey we can do turkey but other people cannot worry about it and like instead of it being tied to like other people's holidays like we could just do our own family thing i think that would be better
2: interesting cody thoughts um
0: i think i like having kind of regularly scheduled times where i know you know what my family generally does at those times But at the same time, there are definitely holidays where it's like, you know, I could definitely take my Labor Day holiday day and use it somewhere more efficiently that would make more sense. So uh, on that, I definitely I can I can see where that would uh, would make sense. You know, I we uh, we celebrate most of the kind of normal holidays, but I can definitely understand uh, where someone who does not come from my background would want to celebrate, you know, like Hanukkah or something like that and take off different days that the U.S. federal holiday calendar doesn't (laughs) necessarily give those days off to most or, like, doesn't dictate what companies will take off for their holidays and things like that, so.
2: Yeah.
1: Right, or, like, I think, too, there's, like, I, I think this would also, like, alleviate like I mean some people do have to work on like holidays for like emergency stuff or like people work in hospitals like that have to be on call or whatever during like holidays whereas like if it was more distributed like every family has their own holiday time like you could probably more easily like balance that and be able to like take time off instead of like because of your job always needing to miss these like holidays that everyone else gets off at the time of year or whatever um also it would prevent we were traveling on Thanksgiving Day and literally nothing was open and we like needed to eat and we're like three hours from our like final destination. Like we couldn't even find one place open.
2: We literally stopped at a gas station. They didn't have food.
1: Yeah. Well, they didn't have like hot food. They had like snacks. Yeah,
2: could have bought, you know, yeah, gum, but. Yeah, so like. A frozen microwave hamburger. Yes, without the microwave being plugged in.
1: So, like, you know, if we could, like, distribute the holidays more, I think it would just be easier for everything.
2: So, so I uh, I go ahead.
0: I think if uh, one of the downsides I see in this is I think if you had every family try to coordinate when they were going to be taking time off, I think there would still be conflict between the families all trying to determine when they're going to take the time off. And also, I think for most families that it would probably just never happen. Like, I feel (laughs) like my families would never be able to get it together to all decide like, yep, we're going to all take off this time. Whereas having like a regularly scheduled, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas period of time where we can set it aside and be like, yep, that's when we're getting together. And that's just how it is.
2: Like, yeah.
1: But, like, I Cody, you could do that. You could just do it in, like, June, and every year your yeah, whole family was it... like, this second week of June is our holiday.
2: No, no. See, I agree with Cody on this piece, because okay. my, I have family where that just wouldn't happen. Like, you just wouldn't agree. Or you would agree, but then, like, that week wouldn't work for somebody one year, and you'd be like, okay, we'll reschedule. And then it just wouldn't get rescheduled. Uh, and then it just wouldn't happen. Um, so I think that's a good counterpoint. Other counterpoint that I can give to you... The worst time to work is the day back after a long week off that you took that no one else took. And the best time to work is maybe not the best time. But it's okay to come back from a holiday if everybody else also took it. Because then your inbox is not destroyed. And what under your proposal, Counselor you would be condemning me forever to a life of every time I took a holiday. I could never have a holiday. I would always be constantly like checking my inbox and trying to keep up with things. The advantage of like a holiday is it's more socially acceptable to fully 100% disconnect and like not look at anything because no one else is either. And, like, I'm going to come back from, you know, on January 3rd this year, and I'm not going to have that many emails because everyone else is also off. And if you stagger all of those, um, this will be my last Christmas where I get to just enjoy a holiday. And the fact that you want to take that from me is, um, <laughs> it's just me, me a little, little bit. Sad.
1: My philosophy for time off is that if I'm gone, someone else will handle it, and I just, like, don't care.
2: Yeah, but That's you still have to get I back, need and you got to gotta read all those emails.
1: Yeah. And you're going to come well, back like, with
2: a to-do list. You're going to come I, back, I, and someone's going to hand you a thing that said all of these things happened while you're gone. You have to deal with them now. But nothing happened while you're gone over the holidays.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, in my job, you know, uh, I used to have to be one of those people that worked every holiday, and... Uh-huh um you know it was my favorite time to work because every we would have freezes on what work can be done and so with no work being done nothing would break and i would have an easy like 2 3 weeks where no one could really like do the big work that would break our stuff yeah and so we'd have a pretty easy few weeks uh and i enjoyed that whereas if uh you know all of everyone's holidays were spread throughout the year we would never have that, you know, I would have never had that break in work that I always appreciated. So you'd be taking that away from me,
2: too.
1: Oh, my God. I can't
2: believe you're taking this from us.
1: OK, well, I just think here's the thing. You're still entitled to spend your, like, extra PTO on the same week everyone else takes it. I just don't have to.
2: But what is but there isn't the same week. There isn't the same week where everyone takes it under this proposal.
1: Um, I get, well, like, but if everyone is still, like, I don't know, if, whatever. I don't put a lot of, like, weight behind certain holidays, but I feel like people would still want to celebrate Christmas. Maybe not my family, but other people's families. Like, I th- I still think there would be some, like, grouping of it, but it would just wouldn't be everybody.
0: Okay, so we can, maybe we can come to a compromise where, you know, there's still maybe one or two big chunks of time where, like, a general holiday is still kind of taken. So maybe around, like, the winter holidays. But we can take some of the lesser holidays, like Labor Day or...
2: Fourth of July.
0: Fourth of July. I'm
2: happy to give every holiday other than a winter holiday. Like, I still think everybody should get the last week of the year off and just be done. And then if you got rid of every other holiday and give me all of those days as PTO days, I'm on board with that.
0: I think I can get on board with that too.
2: But I want I want the the time where everyone's off and I can fully disconnect and I don't have anxiety about coming back to work Monday morning knowing that my whole day is going to be a disaster.
0: Well, and then and then you you know, if you split it up that way, you give people the choice of you know, you can do your regular family gathering during the like winter holiday period, or you can use all that banked PTO from all the, you know, extraneous holidays to say, my family is going to do this in early August or late March.
2: And then you take Christmas to travel and you like travel to other places. Granted, they all closed down over that time too, but travel somewhere else that doesn't celebrate christmas. Perfect. And do do fun stuff or staycation? I'm on board with this. I'm on board with this sort of middle ground plan where we get rid of the 4th of July and all other less than 1 week long holidays and just have a winter holiday at the end of the year.
1: Well, I I'm I can see that also, but I've also worked at places where like you didn't get the entire week of like the winter holiday off either you got like two random wednesdays and it's like (laughs) you're forced to spend all of your paid time off in between so that you can get like enough time to like fly to somewhere or where your family's gonna be like it just i I if the winter holiday was of the federal holiday was like the full week off. Like I'm, it's a different like situation anyway, but.
2: Okay. Well, this is the different situation I'm pitching is that the full week should be the holiday.
1: Okay. Yeah. If, if that's how we're going to do it, I'm still not, I'm still going to be a Grinch about traveling on that week, but (laughs) um, I think my hot take is still where I started, but I can see your hybrid option being better than what we currently have.
2: All right. Well, Cody and I have landed on our own separate hot take. Um, Okay. But you can have yours. And you
0: listeners at home can feel free to email us at hardsellshow at gmail.com and let us know who you agree with.
2: Yeah. If it's me and Cody or the wrong opinion. Rude.
0: All right. uh, I think it's time to jump into our final segment. Uh, Tim, what do you have to pitch to me today?
2: Yes. My pitch, my first pitch to you. If you had to guess what I was going to pitch you for your first hard sell assignment, what would you guess just out of curiosity? Hmm.
0: It would either be a video game because that falls inside the typical wheelhouse of media that I consume. Sure. Or, uh... A depressing movie that is far outside my normal wheelhouse.
2: Nice. I had a feeling that you would suspect one of those two things, and so I'm taking a third option. Ooh. Um, Alright. Cody, how do you feel about like uh like dare slash challenge shows? Like impractical jokers or like Fear Factor or like Jackass.
0: Oh, boy. Okay, so... Tell me your uh,
2: honest, unvarnished opinion.
0: All right. Uh, I will go with Impractical Jokers in particular. Um,
2: okay.
0: I comment... every time that Kale and I go on vacation or anything uh-huh. like that, and there's a TV in our hotel room, True TV is naturally on it, and Impractical Jokers is naturally on it. Sure. And uh, I comment every single time about how I don't like Impractical Jokers. Yeah. Because I, mostly because I don't like awkward situations between people <laughs> or people being put into awkward situations. Sure. But I always get sucked in and end up watching the show and laughing and thinking it's fun anyway. So, you know, uh-huh. I, sure. I don't think I dislike it as much as I uh, would say that I do. But.
2: Sure. So lo- so, love hate, perhaps. Yeah. Okay. It's like
1: with like reality TV, right? Where like yeah. you don't like the idea of reality TV, but like if it's on, I'm getting sucked in and I will be invested.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yes.
2: Okay. Good to know. Uh, n- another question, Cody. How do you feel about America's student debt crisis?
1: Oh my God.
0: <laughs> hmm. Well, <laughs> I am one of those who is in student debt, so uh i would how do i feel about it i would enjoy to not be in it
2: sure i think many would so today i am pitching you a show a web series that combines the best elements of the student loan debt crisis and basically impractical jokers it is a show on dropout.tv which was It's spun out into its own thing, but it was started by College Humor. Um, It is a show called Total Forgiveness in which two of the cast members uh, of College Humor, just like the regular cast members who participate in other things, um, Grant O'Brien and Allie Beardsley, uh, are two cast members both faced with staggeringly crippling student loan debt, uh, and they manage to convince... Sam Reich, who at the time ran College Humor, he now owns College Humor and Dropout, uh, to produce a show in which they challenge each other to increasingly agonizing slash difficult dares in a chance to win increasingly large amounts of money to be used to pay off their student loan debt. Uh, It is 10 episodes, I believe. I think that's correct. Uh... 20 minutes each, roughly, and it's excellent. It is very funny. It goes to, maybe we say some dark places. Um, And I think it has some interesting, uh, it is a very interesting, much funnier way to look at the student loan debt crisis than any other way I could imagine. Uh, And so I think it's worth watching. I don't know if you'll like it, but I like it a lot, and I think it is worth uh, giving it a watch.
0: Yeah, the student loan debt crisis is not something that I would normally associate with a comedy show, and more <laughs> with like a sixty minutes expose. Yes. So, generally. Interesting. Well, I am. Uh, I am excited to watch it. So, what? What do you find most funny about the show? Is it like? Is it situational or?
2: So uh, again, so the the it started by college humor right and so grant o'brien and ali beardsley like grant is in just a ton of different college humor shows and videos ali is one of the cast members they're one of the cast members in dimension 20 and then they also are just like on a bunch of shows and are writers so they are very funny people and so like it is funny to watch them dare each other to do stuff but also like so think about this game. So the way the game works, to expand on it a little bit, is they each, there's a certain amount of money. So I think Dare One starts at $1,000. And the way it works is they have to dare someone to do something. Like, maybe they're afraid of bees, and they have to stand in a room with a bee for 10 minutes. Or... Oh, no. Uh, get that poor leeches person. put on them. Or... Sing the national anthem when they're not a singer (laughs) at a baseball game, um, or etc. Yeah, um, and if they complete the dare, they win the money, and if they fail or decline the dare, the money goes to the other person. And so, it is this, it is both hilarious because it's very funny to watch them do these cringy, sometimes cringy, sometimes hilarious, sometimes awful things to try to win this money but it also become like again not to spoil the show it's worth watching but like you know what are you willing to dare your friend to do to try to win student loan money so that you can pay off your student loans knowing that if they fail it means they can't pay their student loans off <laughs> and like it turns into this really interesting uh it gets tense it gets intense it is not a comedy throughout uh every moment of every episode and so like i think it's i i think it's really interesting and it's there are again moments where it's hard to watch there are moments i was definitely watching through gritted teeth in deep awkwardness um and there are also incredibly funny moments and there are definitely moments that made me cry so i think it's it's worth uh it's worth the price of admission
1: I also love this this series. It's so good.
2: Yes, Cozy also like it. So I would like you to watch, there are ten episodes and then there's also a, like, hour long, um, like, reunion. post-show, yeah, reunion, basically, where Sam Reich, again, the, like, owner and producer, creative director at Dropout and College Humor, Allie Grant, and then the like producer of the show, Adam Fructi, who sort of becomes a character sort of like recap what happened and answer questions and talk about it, because I went into the show. My suspicion is you will watch it and be curious about what is real and what is scripted, and I think it's worth watching the after show also. So the 10 episodes of the show plus the little show reunion at the end. So we can talk about that next episode.
0: All right. Sounds good. I'm in it. uh, Yeah, it definitely sounds like something similar to, uh, you know, the impractical jokers thing where it's something where the thought of it, like those awkward situations that people get put in, like all I do is I imagine myself being put in that, awkward situation and it just like skeeves me out a bit yeah but i'm sure i will get sucked into it because it sounds very good so
2: i'm sure you will both get sucked in and be very skeeved out
0: (laughs) all right well i'm excited to watch it and excited to talk about my thoughts on it awesome two weeks well thank you for listening to this week's episode of hard sell uh, remember to drop us a rating uh, and a review of us wherever you find your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at hard sell show. Uh, you can send us an email at hard at gmail.com. Uh, we very occasionally stream on Twitch very at hard sell show. Uh, nothing scheduled right now, but surprises can happen. Who knows? <laughs> um, and I think that's it. So until next time, We will catch you on the Floopity
2: Flop. Catch you on the Floopity Flop.